Mac Power Users, episode 639, Software Club with Greg Pierce and Drafts. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. How are you today, Stephen? I'm good, David. How are you? I'm excellent. And we are the Mac Power Users, where we help you get better at using your Apple technology. And uh, we have something kind of fun planned for today. Yeah, yeah, we do. So this is going to be the first meeting of uh, the Software Club, which is an idea that we lifted from uh, the forums. Our idea here is every once in a while is to talk about an application that we're using. And then on the back half of the show, uh, talk with the developer of that application and and see kind of where they are with it, how things are going. So kind of a a new format for us, but one that we're both really excited about. Yeah, it's a little bit of a hybrid. I mean, you know, traditionally we do interview shows and we do kind of content shows. And uh, once in a while, we do like to focus in on an application. We thought it would be fun to not only talk about the application, but kind of get the story behind it and and the ideas and development process from the developer as well. So uh, we're starting uh, this episode, and this will become an occasional segment on the show or occasional show format with drafts. And the reason is because drafts just celebrated their 10th anniversary. Their developer, Greg Pierce, is just a super guy who works really hard to make his app as good as it can be. So we thought, you know, he's kind of the poster child indie developer for us. And who better to start it out with than Greg and Draft? So we're going to talk about that today. Before we get started, however, we have a couple of preliminary announcements. Number one is Stephen has a very cool shirt you can get. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, so this is uh, there's a link in the show notes and a link on the sidebar over at five twelve, uh, and it is celebrating the Lisa, which is uh, this machine that Apple had uh, way back before the Macintosh. It, it was a graphical user interface, but the machine like wasn't a huge hit. It was really expensive and kind of weird, but uh, it's a machine that I love and one that's important historically. So I thought it would be fun to uh, to have it on a shirt. So the shirt has some line art of the machine and then the machine's official acronym, Local Integrated Software Architecture, which is like the most, it's just the most early 80s name anything could have. And so that's there underneath it. Um, the printed small, like on the chest, like uh, the shirt doesn't have a chest pocket, but it's kind of printed in that spot. Um, yeah, I'm really happy with how it came out. Yeah, I mean, isn't it just one of those things where, like, Steve wanted to name it Lisa because he had a daughter yeah. named Lisa, and they yeah. had to figure out a way to make it work. And he was kind of a terrible person back then and couldn't yeah, admit that. Yeah, and it was a daughter <laughs> was, who it was named after exactly recognizing. I mean, just uh, there's a lot of, like, weird stuff going on here. But, yeah, that's that's weird. And so somebody said, okay, we got to name a computer with the acronym Lisa. Let's just yep. make it work. You yeah, know? oh, it's a hardcore <laughs> backronym for sure. Um, yeah. I have a sister named Lisa. I think I should order one of these for her. Although there you go. She, w- she would not get it at that, all. That's okay. But, that's you know. okay. I will say that uh, you added orange to the mix this time. And I'm like, yeah. I don't have an orange t-shirt. I'm going to get an orange Lisa shirt. So I, I was one of your first customers. I love it. Yes. Thank you for that. Uh, the orange is uh, is great. Uh, I also really like the black forest tri-blend. That's the one I ordered. It's like this green and black. 
it just kind of feels vintage of the time, right? So, um, so yeah, these are on sale through May twelfth. Because uh, I'm a, a marketing genius, that's you know five twelve the way that Americans do dates. Yeah, that was I can admit just to you that was mostly accidental. But once I realized it was going to happen, I held the sh- the shirts back a day to like hit the campaign ending on the twelfth. Uh, nice. So as of this show going up, you only have a few days left. So if you want to get one, uh, now is the time. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes. Go check it out and, and help support Stephen too. Yeah, thank you. Um, Today on More Power Users, we are going to be talking about native apps. As, as we lead up to WWDC, I've got some things on my mind. I'm thinking about the Mac Pro. I'm also thinking about this idea of why don't why doesn't Apple separate some of these apps from the operating system and give them a chance? You know, we did a show what, about six months ago on apps that need work, and I feel like the integration with the operating system is a big part of this problem. And we're going to dig deep on that in more power issues today. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be a fun one. You, you brought that to me. I was like, yeah, that's, that's going to be a good discussion. Yeah. And I have a blog post I put up on it last week. I just, it just seems to me like a thing that nobody's paying attention to. And I'm not bringing this up in hopes that Apple will actually separate them. Well, anyway, stick around. I got thoughts. All right, so today's about drafts, you know, in our first software club meeting. So let's talk about drafts. It's a application that's really focused on text. You can find it at getdrafts.com. And it just celebrated 10 years, which I think is quite an accomplishment in the App Store when Absolutely. you think about it. I mean, the App Store, um, I think when he first started selling it, it was just like a buck or two in the App Store, you know, back kind of in those days of the app store and now it's a subscription app and it's gone through multiple iterations and the only reason that the app continues to exist and get developed is because the developer has worked so hard to to make it good and also figure out a business model that can keep it afloat all these years which there aren't many that that have 10 years under their belt yeah it's it's such an impressive track record and I mean, it's thinking about how how much things have changed in the last decade on Apple's platforms, let alone like the ecosystem that's built atop them. And that's that's why drafts is so unique. And, and I'm so glad we're doing it first in the series is that drafts is like the app when I think of, OK, I want to take something, especially on iOS, but also on the Mac now and send it somewhere else. I mean, Greg was involved in X callback URL way back in the day, getting that off the ground, and yeah, he helped invent it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was, and and having having a tool where you can send text to a bunch of different places, uh, that is as open ended as as the platform is. And so, Greg, I think has done a really good job at adding features and adding support for all these things that straight up didn't exist ten years ago. Some of them didn't exist two years ago. But he continues to work on it and improve it, and you know it's it's no surprise to me that he's he's made it to this anniversary because the app has such staying power because it adapts to the ecosystem around it. Yeah, I, I suspect it'll be another ten years of drafts, honestly, because oh, yeah. it solves a problem so well. Have so. you ever gone in the App Store and like scrolled through your old purchases to see what you bought at the very beginning of the App Store? Oh, oh yeah, there's some real fun things in there. A bunch of that stuff's gone away, but uh, you know, a lot of those, some of those utilities are still, still around and doing well. Yeah, Evernote. 
I got here. Yes, everyone's monkey like third app. Remember yeah. Monkey Ball? Uh-huh. <laughs> they, they monkey Ball. What the heck was I doing? But anyway, yeah, drafts still relevant, which is great and and still there. You talked about it. I'll tell you my origin story with the app was I was in the middle of a trial in Los Angeles where we had got hotels rooms because um it was just a really intense like three weeks and lots of work and witnesses and things going on. And uh, the Max Sparky stuff was getting backed up and all my non-trial legal work was getting backed up. And I just felt, you know, I just felt underwater. And some, I think somebody told me about drafts. I read about it or somebody wrote me about it and I'm like, okay, well, I'll try this app out. And I downloaded it. I remember sitting in the, in the hotel lobby feeling completely overwhelmed and I just downloaded this app and then I just started, um, uh, and I very quickly grokked it. So what the original version of drafts did was you open the app and there's a cursor, which is to me, some of the genius of this app. There, there had never been an app that in my memory before this, where you could open the app and start typing without having to create a file or do some kind of incantation to get started in, in drafts. You press the app and you start typing, you know, and, and it, and this was when dictation was new and dictation, I believe dictation was working too. But then after you're done typing, then you decide what you do with it. You push one button to send it off to a message, another button to send it off to an email. And these are what drafts calls actions. And uh, we'll get later in the show into it. I mean, the actions have really turned into a whole different thing. Uh, But those basic actions still work. But And that's what I needed that day is I needed to get some stuff into OmniFocus. I needed to get some stuff into some messages. I needed to get some stuff into email. But I just sat down there. And with my phone and just banged out like 30 different little bits of text without processing them. You know, I just, everything was on my mind. It's like, uh, I got to write a, an email to this witness. I've got to tell my secretary about a filing. I've got, you know, all this stuff I had to do. I just did one after the other, you know, bang, 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 bang down the line with this app. And you just press one button, you can start another draft. And, and, um, and in like 20 minutes, I had all of that done. And then all I had to do is go through and say messages to him, email this to that guy, put this in OmniFocus. So in like 30 minutes, I had solved this problem that was causing me so much angst. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, when you have an experience like that, you're like, oh, this app really solves a problem for me. And I'd never seen an app like it before. So it's like a new category of app. I think I wrote about it at the time. I have to go look through the Max Sparky archives, but it just immediately like, landed with me for what it does yeah and and it it does it so well right i think one of the sort of like one of the smartest things greg has done is that it does <laughs> just by default open up to a blank document so you don't have to do something to get to a text field right it's just that is the ui when you launch the app and now these days there's even an option of how quickly it resets back to a new draft. And that that makes it so fast, right? And especially on the iPhone, and and that's sort of draft's original context, even though it's on the Mac and everywhere else now, having something that you can, within two taps, you know, unlock your phone, open the app, you can be typing. There's hardly anything else like that on the App Store, even today. Yeah. No, I mean, it just, it just, it was perfect for what it did. And it continues to do that job, but it does a lot more. But 
I, I don't want to focus the whole episode on the high end of this stuff because drafts is an app that really can serve people that don't need the high end stuff. I, I think it's kind of got a reputation now to be a power user tool and it really isn't in a lot of ways. Yeah, it definitely doesn't have to be right. And I think that those actions, like the really simple ones is like, okay, take this text and just put it into uh, an email or message those simple ones are what I think most people are doing with it, and uh, and honestly, where I find it to be the most useful too. I mean, we'll get into our usage in a minute, but I don't have a lot of like real complicated stuff flying around my uh, my draft setup. Yeah, one of the things you have to be wary of if you uh, are in California is uh, earthquakes. Right, occasionally mm-hmm. we the earth shakes, and when that happens, you get about. 30 seconds before the cellular network goes down. Because, you know, once there's an earthquake, what's the first thing everybody does is they call each other. I am okay, right? And so I built a draft that sends a message out to all of my family members and says, I'm okay, I'm at X location. Mm -hmm. And it puts in the X. And it's a draft. And I put that up very early, but I can get that message. If, you know, if we get the big one or the medium one, I can get that message out to everybody very quickly before everything shuts down. And that's just like an example of yeah. it. You know, uh, I remember getting a similar email from a listener who had one set up for when he is, his wife was having her baby or their baby. And he had all these drafts set up so he could like quickly get messages out to everybody without having to like stop and get messages out to everybody. If that makes sense. Oh, that's great. And, yeah. You know, and it's just, there's a lot of people that are doing stuff like that because in drafts, it is a trivial act to say, take whatever I write in drafts and send it to these people. It's it's a it's the easiest of easy actions, and anybody can create it. You know, I'm coming to California in like a month, and uh, yeah, I didn't need right. I didn't need your earthquake example. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I uh, can we share that now? Can yeah, we talk let's about talk about it. Just a quick thing. All right, so so Stephen and I are having a sleepover together. We're hanging out, right? You're coming coming to the house. Yeah, we're going to build a pillow fort in your living room. Yeah. And yeah, that is. And we're going to talk about apple silicon all night long. Yeah. You know, and roast marshmallows. <laughs> I, I don't know. But, but uh, yeah, so we're going to, Stephen's going to hang out with me a little bit. And uh, that's next month. Hopefully we won't have any earthquakes. But if we do, you know, we're ready. So you're okay. Yeah. I'll um, have that draft and, ready to go just in case. Yeah. Get that draft before you leave. <laughs> and the, uh, but we're going to do as part of it, we're going to do a, kind of live show because we miss doing live shows right so steven and i are going to be in a room in my house with cameras and microphones and we're going to do a webinar show and we're going to do it and it's just going to be question and answer and maybe some other cool stuff and we're going to give you a lot more details on it in a future episode but everybody can watch it and hang out and it's going to be kind of like a virtual live show that we're going to do and i can't wait it's going to be good anyways back to drafts (laughs) yeah back to drafts Uh, anyway Another feature of drafts that has come to pass over the years since you first discovered is now it's on not just the iPhone, but it's on the iPad, it's on the Mac. Um, it really is everywhere that, that people are getting work done. Has that changed your use of drafts in some significant ways? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just made it so much easier. It's It's always been the place to capture text, but for the longest time, you didn't get that workflow on the Mac, right? And I spend a lot of time on my Mac. So if I'm on the phone with somebody and they start saying stuff I need to take a note of, 
I can just with the uh, with the hotkey open a draft and start typing, and then I've got it, which I can process on it. And we didn't have that on the Mac before, so it solves that problem. Um, I've tried a couple different apps. It's easier to do this stuff on the Mac. I mean, you could write a script that opens text edit or you know something else if you wanted to very quickly be typing, but drafts brought it didn't just come over as the text capture. It also brought all those actions and all the other power tools that drafts has. So I, I prefer to do it there. And then the text is anywhere, you know, it's on my iPhone, my, my iPad or my Mac, and I can capture it anywhere. I can edit anywhere. I can act on it anywhere. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan. How about yourself? Do you use it on the Mac? I do. In fact, that's where I, uh, I, I do quite a bit of stuff uh, on the Mac with it. And, uh, the, the big one for me, and it's not something I would have guessed even just a couple of years ago, but I've really kind of adopted it is I use drafts to write emails, uh, especially like, uh, if I'm involved in like a longer project and I have maybe a lot of things to respond to in an email, uh, I very often will move that over to drafts. And so it's kind of in its own silo. You don't accidentally send the email early. <laughs> Probably we've all yeah, probably ac- accidentally done that. And um, that's been really useful, both on the Mac and the iPhone. But uh, having it on the Mac, to me, definitely opened drafts up to me really f- f- in a new way, just because my workflow is so Mac-centric. Having um, having it there and it all sync, really, I mean, the, the sync is so good with drafts. Having it available everywhere. I can start something on the phone and finish it on the Mac later. I, I appreciate all that. Well, I mean, it's syncing text, so it's it it should be easy, but yeah. it is, you know. And the other platform we haven't mentioned yet is the iPhone. And to me, Drafts is the killer iPhone app. I mean, I've played with a lot of third-party apps. A lot of times, they just don't translate that well to that tiny little screen. And also just kind of the slow bandwidth and the related problems of building an app on the watch. I, I'm not really blaming the developers, but more really the platform. But Drafts is uniquely suited because Drafts um, Apple Watch icon is a little microphone and you press it and you just start talking and it, you know, it takes your voice and turns it into text and saves it as a new draft. And then when you get back to your computer, it's just sitting there in your inbox. So, uh, and I, I do that exclusively for capture on my, on my Apple Watch. So um, if I'm out walking the dog or if I'm, you know, it doing anything out in the world and it th- occurs to me, hey, we should do a live show when Stephen comes to California. I can just capture that really quickly with the little microphone icon. It's the, it is the, um, you know, it is the app that I always have on my watch face and I just capture it and then later I can deal with it, whether that means sending it to OmniFocus or writing you an email or whatever. And I just find that Apple Watch app is is, you know, the best one for me. This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by our friends at SameBox. SameBox is this awesome system. You hook it up to your email account. I use it on some Google accounts, but you can use it at Office 365 or iCloud, really any email address. And it doesn't tie you to a specific application or workflow because SameBox works uh, seamlessly with your email to filter out stuff you don't want. That sounds pretty simple, but I promise you it's not. What SameBox can do is incredible. You can set up a bunch of different folders with different parameters. So you can have newsletters go to a folder. 
You can have stuff that's not important. Go to same later. You can deal with it when you get time. Keep that stuff out of your inbox. You can even set reminders. You can CC one week at samebox.com, for example. And if your receiver doesn't reply within a week, you'll get a follow-up email reminding you from SaneBox, hey, this person didn't get back with you. Then, of course, there is the Sane black hole, which is where you drag emails that you never want to hear from again. SaneBox is more than just filtering. You can move attachments to Dropbox and other cloud services to free up space and so much more. They have various pricing plans. They start as low as about $4 a month, and there's a 14-day free trial to check it out. If you go to samebox.com slash MPU, you'll receive a $25 credit on any plan. And two-thirds of MPU listeners who have tried SameBox end up subscribing. I love it. I couldn't deal with my email without it, and I think you're going to love it too. Once again, that's samebox.com slash MPU to receive a $25 credit on any plan. And of course, that link is also in the show notes. Our thanks to SameBox for sponsoring Mac Power Users. Well, drafts isn't just that basic capture and act tool, however. It's been around a long time. Uh, In addition to all the multi-platform growth, it's also turned into more than that. For a lot of people, drafts is also the notes storage application because while it was originally engineered really to capture and and act on text, you know, get it out of drafts, um, there's a lot of people, uh, some of which are listening to the show right now, who use drafts for all of their text notes because it can do that too. Yeah, you've got a bunch of different ways to organize notes within drafts. Uh, you've got the ability uh, to tag things as you uh, create them, and then you can you can set up uh, set up separate uh, workspaces to even like have like basically segmented sections of drafts. So maybe you have a workspace that is personal notes. You have a workspace for earthquake notes and I, I like that because you can kind of tune out the other stuff that you don't want to see at any given moment yeah it's like smart filters and they have a tagging system the tagging system by the way uh translates ta- drafts tags to devon think tags so like if you want to use uh drafts as an entry point into devon think you can do that and the tag will transfer right over i mean uh, greg has kind of like solved all those problems um, and so you can use tags, you can put them in specific groups. I mean, There's just a, a bunch of different ways to, no matter how your brain wants to slice and dice your notes, you can. And, uh, like I said, there's a lot of people that have their entire note system now built into drafts. They've also added massive automation support. If you look at the shortcuts options in drafts, um, there are a lot, you know, create new drafts, append a draft. Um, drafts uh, identifies a unique identifier to each note, which is something Apple Notes does not do. And as a result, you can save a specific note and then keep adding on to it. For instance, um, when I have upgrades to a field guide, every time a thought occurs to me, I have a shortcut that I can just type in, oh yeah, add this to that field guide. Well, there is a draft with those upgrade notes in it, and there's a unique identifier for that note. So then my shortcut will automatically add whatever I added in the draft to the bottom of the list. And it finds the exact note, which is not particularly an easy trick when you're using Apple notes. So um, they just, you know, he's got all that stuff in there already. So it gives you a lot of options. 
how so you mentioned that are there other sh- uh ways through shortcuts that you interact with drafts any other favorites um well i mean just working with existing notes for me is is the thing right um i've got some of the stuff in obsidian now too i'm going to talk about how I, I use them between each other but maybe that is another one you know um so obsidian which is uh, the app that people love to hear about and hate to hear about at the same time. But uh, yeah, one of the advantages of it is it saves your data locally and then you use their sync service. So I don't have to use iCloud or Dropbox. Mm-hmm. So I've got end-to-end encryption uh, on the data that's stored locally, but drafts can see that local data because it's on my Mac. Right. So drafts, I've got shortcuts in drafts where I do almost all my text entry in drafts because Obsidian is a great app, but it is not a great app to be writing on on your phone. You know, it's just not good at that. I mean, I know they don't write me. I get it. Some people do that, but I think you know, Drafts is better. And I push a button in Drafts, and it automatically deposits it into my Obsidian database. So that's another whole area of shortcuts for me. I also really like the built-in template system that Drafts has, where you can create templates. Um, like I have a phone call template when I need to record notes from a phone call i push a button in drafts and it has a line to say well who did you talk to and it puts in the date and time automatically and it has a area for me to write in what we talked about and then at the bottom it says action items and i've coded that that the anything under there gets added to omnifocus automatically so if i write something under action item then omnifocus inbox gets a new entry for me to do some work and all that is automated in drafts and then i can push a button in drafts and save that as an Obsidian record if I want, or do whatever I want to, or I can email it to somebody. You know, that's just kind of once you start to get drafts under your fingers, you find all sorts of uses for it. Yeah, that's cool. And if if shortcuts like isn't your jam, like I'm I'm reading through the drafts guide, like uh, Apple support script. I mean, all sorts of stuff. Uh, I think Greg has done a good job at making this from the automation perspective, like as accessible as possible, like no matter how you want to work, chances are drafts can, can handle it. Well, I mean, there's really two levels of automation with drafts. There's the basic stuff that's in shortcuts where you can open a draft or create a new one or add to a list, which is what I was describing earlier. But then there's a whole second level of automation with drafts because drafts is an automation tool inside of it. And Mm -hmm. you can write JavaScript inside the app. I mean, Rosemary Orchard basically wrote a to-do list app inside drafts. I mean, we talked about in the automators, we're doing a, we talked about our packing list and Rose basically wrote a program using drafts to build her, her, her travel list for her. So, you know, it just depends on how far you want to go down the stack, but you can go very deep, you know, but, but I, I don't, when I say that I worry because people are gonna be like, Oh, then that's not for me. It's too complicated. No, it's not. The, the easy stuff is really easy, but if you want to take it a, a level deeper, you can. Mm-hmm. I, I really think of drafts kind of as my personal BB edit. You know how, hmm. like we talk to people like Jason Snell and some of our friends who like go all in with BB edit and they like turn it into their text machine. That's what drafts does for me, you know, and I can, there's so much I can do with this app because not only does it have the built-in actions, but there's a online, there's a depository of actions that have been written by the developer and other third parties, but they're all vetted by Greg. So like I did, I did one or two and he checked them before he posted and making sure that, you know, I wasn't like messing people's, you know, phones up, but it, you know, you can download these actions from other people 
So no matter what kind of weird thing it is you're doing, there's probably somebody who's already written an action to do it for you. So you can even just like tag on to somebody's existing program or, or action. Another thing that has evolved with drafts is the UI. I feel like uh, this is one of the more recent things that he's worked on, but now you can download custom appearances. And to me, this was a real welcome because drafts was looking plain to me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And there's a lot of great text apps out there that look pretty. And I wanted drafts to look pretty too. Well, now that's totally under your control. And again, he opened it up to the community. So like I have a six colors um, uh, draft theme, not Jason's website, but the actual just Apple six colors. And it's, yeah. it uses the Apple six colors. And, you know, you can, whatever it is you want, there's like so many themes you can download now, whether it's for light or dark and drafts will change its look. So it looks pretty, it's super powerful, and it's just everywhere. So this is a great app that has really evolved over time. Yeah, I think that the themes are a good example of that. I mean, in preparation for the show, I was reading some old coverage of drafts, just you know, kind of get a feel for how it evolved over the years. And coming across reviews of like drafts three and drafts four, you know, way back in the day, a very, it was a very standard looking app it always has been but sometimes you want more right and uh sometimes you you uh, have maybe a need for more uh, in certain situations and it, it's cool that way but it's also cool that it is a community thing like you said and and we'll talk with greg about this but drafts is a um a very community driven app with a, a lot of people who are really passionate about it and that's really cool. And not all the apps that we talk about have huge uh, fo- followings like this, but drafts really benefits from it because you get to build things based on what other people have done, riff on ideas, share ideas. And yeah. I, that's pretty, pretty unique. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And, uh, you know, the use with Obsidian is really easy. You know, that's another big thing I do with it because I can use the drafts templates to create Obsidian outlines like I put in tags that I use in Obsidian and YAML formatting. And I'm sorry if this is all sounds like gibberish to you, but stuff I do in Obsidian, I set up the template in drafts so I can be on my phone and create it very quickly and then push a button. And because with the most recent updates to iOS, it allows me to create a shortcut or even just use the drafts. Greg actually incorporated this before shortcuts. The ability to target, save a file to a specific location on your Mac. Um, so what that means is when I finish writing the text and drafts, it saves it out as a markdown file to the very specific folder inside the Obsidian database for me. And it just shows up. It's just immediately there. And um, so that's, I use basically drafts as a, text capture tool for obsidian another thing i do with drafts is i draft a blog post there again i have a blog post project notes in obsidian but the actual writing of the text i prefer to do in drafts whether i'm dictating it or typing it it's just a place where i can capture text quickly when i'm ready i push a button and it goes off to the various locations for me it's like a hot list of of current tech stuff I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you can put long-term stuff in there, I don't put long-term stuff in there. I just use yeah. it really to get text written well, and then it goes somewhere else. I'm, I'm kind of sticking to the original kind of plan with drafts. I know people in our audience have gone further. 
Yeah, I'm I'm the same way you are. You know, things in drafts don't stay there for me. You know, there are things that I'm currently working on, um, especially, like I, said, I mentioned email a second ago, but especially if that thing uh, is going to require markdown. You know, I use Apple Notes as sort of my repository for notes, which does not support markdown. Uh, it doesn't really do anything with it if it's in there. But uh, I like, I mean, it's what I write for in 512 Pixels and, and other projects. Uh, even the Relay CMS that we wrote supports Markdown. And I find that to be very useful when putting something together in drafts. Um, but I, like you, don't keep things there long term. I mean, right now I've got about seven or eight notes in drafts. And a couple of them have been, have been in there for a while, but they're still sort of actively being worked with but eventually it'll get shared out somewhere and then i just archive it and i can always search for it later if i need to and and bring it back into the inbox yeah for me the inbox is something like kind of sandpaper for me like i want it empty in fact it's one of the few apps that i actually turn a badge on and because i add stuff to drafts like with my watch or whatever i really ideally at the end of each day go through and empty it out but if it's like a blog post that I'm working on, it's going to take more than a day. I'll leave it there. But that badge is a good reminder to me to get to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, I think because I have so little in there at a time, I'm I'm fine with them hanging out in the inbox. I don't do I, because things are basically temporary and drafts for me. I really don't worry with much of the organization. And if something is archived, I need to bring it back. Search gets me far enough down the road where I don't have to, you know, worry about tagging or anything else. But but if you do want to do more with that, that's where those tools really come in handy. And, you know, I can't imagine that, I, I, I don't know, but I can't imagine that uh, Greg initially thought that drafts was going to be this thing that a bunch of people saved a bunch of notes in. I've seen screenshots and numbers people quote of things they saved to drafts and it's it's hundreds and hundreds of pieces of information. But drafts handles it really well uh, because that organization stuff is there. But I like that I'm not forced into using it because it doesn't really fit my workflow. Yeah, and you know, it's it's a strange app in that it's a category that was invented by the app. I mean, the, yeah. I, Somebody's going to write me and tell me that this existed before, but I never heard of it. And I was paying pretty close attention at, back in 2012. I found my blog post in May of 2012, by the way. But the, um, yeah, it just, they invented the category and then he just like put the gas down on it. And mm-hmm. I know that occasionally apps show up that claim to do this and maybe they do and people like them. But honestly, none of them have the, momentum that drafts does and all the automation and all this other stuff which is why um i i'll check out new apps that are in this category but i always end up you know just sticking with drafts well you want to talk to the guy that made drafts yeah let's do it this episode of the mac power users is brought to you by text expander go to textexpander.com slash mpu to get 20 percent off your first year and learn more and sign up with Text Expander, you can get your team communicating faster so they can focus on what's most important. With Text Expander, your team's knowledge is at their fingertips, so you can get your whole team on the same page by getting information out of silos and into the hands of everyone that needs to use it. You can share your team's knowledge across departments so your team is sending a unified message to your customers and isn't spending time reinventing the wheel. 
Here's how it works. First, you store it. And that is you keep your company's most used emails, phrases, messaging, URLs, and more right within Text Expander. Then you share it. You get your whole team access to all the content they need to use every day. You can organize it by department and expand it and deploy the content you need with just a few keystrokes on any device across any apps you use. I'm a subscriber of this. I've got my virtual assistant using Text Expander. Uh, we have a Teams account. And there are snippets that she used that I update all the time because URLs change and information changes. Then she just triggers the snippet and it has the most up-to-date information in it without me having to explain it to her. It just happens. It's that easy. Text Expander is available on the Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And show listeners get 20% off their first year by going to textexpander.com slash MPU. You know, Text Expander was the original sponsor of the Mac Power Users. They continue to support us, and I continue to use their product every day. It's just the best way to deal with text. So check it out, textexpander.com slash MPU to get that 20% off and let them know you heard about it at the Mac Power Users. Okay, gang, true to the plan, we are back for some more talk about drafts, but we have a friend with us. Welcome to the show, Greg. Hey, thanks for having me. I guess I should say Greg Pierce. I've known you as Greg for so long, I didn't say your full name. But Greg Pierce is the drafts developer that we just got done talking about, and he was nice enough to come and join us today. Uh, we've been saying very nice things about you and your application the first half of the show. And uh, uh, I always uh, am happy to support small developers. That's one of my favorite categories of people in this racket. Um, uh, people that are passionate about an app and, and trying to make it as good as possible. And you are the poster child for that, my friend. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. I do try. Yeah. Um, you, uh, so, you know, drafts wasn't your first, app but it was the one that really landed for you at what point did you realize that drafts was going to become like the thing for you um it's kind of hard to say i mean it's been i just celebrated the 10th 10th anniversary of of drafts initial initial release in the app store which was a 99 cent iphone only app when it first came out um and i didn't really know that it would take off or it would find a following um I kind of moved on to the next app at the time, but then the more and more I saw people getting excited about it and uh, loyal to it, I saw the potential to expand it and I kept working on it um, year after year since. And it's only been a few years now that I am dedicated to it more or less full time. Um, it took, you know, quite a process over the years and, uh, both in the changes in the app store and in the app itself before it really built enough momentum to be that full-time thing. So it's more been a gradual thing than an aha moment that I was going to drop everything and just do this. Well, I'll tell you for me and, and the listeners already heard this in the first half of the show, but it was like love at first sight for me because I wasn't aware of any other app like this where you could very quickly capture text and do things with it, but it solved the problem for me, a problem that I didn't know I have. And uh, the uh, just the idea of coming up with a new app category, you know, that's just really impressive. How did you come up with the idea for drafts? Uh, it was pretty simple aha sort of moment for me. I was using my iPhone. I opened up an email message that happened to be my, to my wife. I typed about a sentence and realized, actually, I need to text this to her. I don't need to email it to her. Um, and that 
doesn't sound like that big a deal, but it was kind of fidgety, especially back in those days, early yeah. days of the iPhone. Um, you know, I had to select the text. I had to copy it. I had to quit the mail client, find messages, find the right conversation, paste it in, send it. It was like, I, I realized I do this sort of stuff all the time where I just have snippets of test, text that I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with ultimately, but I want to get out of my head. And it was kind of painful to do that. Whether you were using notes apps or to-do apps, you had a lot of fumbling around to get to the right place to find the button to create a new thing in the right folder or to assign it a name or whatever else. And I was just trying to get rid of all that cruft and give myself a place to just pull the phone out of my pocket and start typing something. And mm-hmm. that was the the basic idea. As the platforms have changed over the years, drafts has obviously had to change and grow with it. What are a couple examples of things that that Apple has done on their side that has allowed drafts to grow and evolve past that initial idea? I mean, there's obviously been a lot of growth in the iOS platform that just make productivity apps in general so much more powerful now than they could be uh, back in the day. Um, the increasing amount of universal stuff, you know, I now have drafts on the Mac, which I didn't originally, but the ability to share a lot of code there that they've made more seamless over the years has 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 really been a, a big boon uh, to my ability to maintain both of those platforms. Uh, and of course, the business model changes in the App Store. You know, subscriptions were not an option when I first launched the app. And uh after transitioning to those in 2018, uh, it's been much easier to move forward with the app at a rapid pace and not be constantly worried about release and update cycles and uh, you know things like that that uh, you know are contrary to getting features to users in an efficient fashion. Um, so I, I love being able to work more in that kind of structure. So, you know, those are all things that have come over time piece by piece in new versions of the OS that, uh, you know, do make a difference. Let's talk about subscriptions for a second, because I know a lot of our listeners are like not not happy with subscriptions. You know, everybody doesn't like being, you know, charged monthly for software. But, you know, I feel like there's there's a couple ways that subscriptions can go down. I mean, you some developers will charge you a subscription fee and not really give you much for it and others will you know, use it as a basis, as a launching pad for new features. And like when you went into this, what were your concerns and and how did you address them? Well, I had gone through several iterations of drafts before I got to the point that I switched to subscriptions. I mentioned that it originally came out for iPhone only in 2012. I released an iPad version shortly after that, but as a separate purchase, uh, they were not a single universal app at the time. I later released another brand new SKU uh, in the store for Drafts 4 that brought together those two versions into one universal app. And there was a lot of pain in migration path. You know, getting users over to a new app in the store is not an easy thing to do. You lose all your history of reviews and stuff like that. Um, and I knew if I was going to make another update and I was going to make a substantial step towards making this a platform that was, you know, a viable full-time job for me, I needed to have that income. And now that's the developer perspective of it. And the consumer perspective, I think, kind of cuts both ways too, because paying up front for apps is not always great. Even with a, a free trial, I think, I don't know how many times over the years I've 
downloaded, even done a trial of an app, thought it was going to be great for me, plunked down the 40 bucks for it, and then found myself two months later, hey, I found something else that's better for me and I never use that app again, you know? And subscriptions kind of could take away that upfront cost. You can pay monthly for a while while you decide whether it's something that's really going to be sticky for you, um, you know? And obviously, you, you mentioned it's not right for every app. Drafts happen to be an app with a niche that I think plays well with the subscription model because there is so many opportunities to continue to improve and extend the app. Uh, a simple utility app that really doesn't need a change. Yeah, like you said, the, the compatibility updates are a thing that there's a cost for the developer, but the user doesn't really see that as a benefit and doesn't want to keep paying for it. So, I, you know, it's not for every app, but I do think it's a, it's a niche that has worked out well for drafts. Yeah, I mean, I'm just as you're talking, scrolling through some of the uh, the places I can send text out of drafts, and like a bunch of these <laughs> apps and services weren't around when drafts started, right? And I know from following you on social media that you, uh, you know, you work tirelessly, really, to to add support for things like, uh, you know, uh, this whole wide range of uh, personal knowledge management apps that we have now like craft and notion and obsidian all these tools that people are using uh, to keep drafts fresh you've got to uh to work to support those where you can do you find it that to be um a frustrating model at times if you know you have users who want to send text from draft to some other application and the other application isn't ready to receive on the other end how do you go about that sort of thing it's been hit or miss over the years i mean obviously uh I was behind the push to adopt X callback URL back in the pre-workflow days to try to address that on iOS and make it easier for more apps to to work together. So I was doing an advocacy role at that time to try to get more apps to work in such a way that drafts could integrate with them, which was obviously a selfish endeavor on my part because I wanted drafts to be uh, be functional in that space. But sometimes you have to tell people just, hey, the app you want to integrate with or the service you want to integrate with does not currently support integration. There are limits or it's not something I've been able to integrate at this time because there hasn't been enough demand for it or or whatever not. And uh, people usually take that pretty well. And I think in this space, I have a lot of really positive users that then go out and in a very positive way approach the developers or you know, maintainers of those services and say, hey, we'd really like it to work with drafts. Could you implement URL schemes or shortcut support or something that would allow your API that would allow drafts to integrate? So, you know, those things come over time and I've seen more and more apps adopt that stuff so that it's not uh, as big of an issue as it used to be. Yeah, you mentioned the the drafts user base and I know that you over the years have have really leaned into that and you've got uh, forms up and running with uh, the drafts community. Uh, how has has that been as a developer to see people from from all over the place rally behind your app? And and what are some things you've learned in in having that community around? Well, it's something I've always tried to leverage because uh, since the early days of drafts, it's been extensible. The actions you can create are not. Uh, set in stone. Users can create their own to do different things, work with different apps and services. And that allows me to leverage the community both to provide them functionality I don't have time to develop, you know, uh, 
as well as get them excited about sharing that stuff. And that's always been a benefit to Draft is all the great users out there who will share what they've come up with. I've tried to accommodate that in the app itself by providing a directory. People can upload what they've built and share it. You know, So there's kind of a canonical place for users to go search for, hey, I, I want to integrate with this app. How do I do that? And they can go look and see if somebody else has already done it, save them the work. Um, and then having the community forums is just a great way for people to come and ask questions, which is, you know, really bit a boon to the app as well. And people doing blog posts, people doing YouTube videos that do tips and tricks and stuff like that. And I always just try to amplify and promote that stuff as best I can because it benefits everybody in the drafts community. And it's really where I get so many ideas for direction uh, in the app as well. People asking for things, finding things that don't work right, et cetera. I really feel like that the um, you know the community is is part of the attraction of drafts, but it really has been, I think, your embracing of that. Not not only have you embraced the community, but also just the way you've embraced inputs and outputs into drafts. You know, like you use Text Expander for snippets. Like it's one of the only apps that I know of that has native Text Expander integration which is one of the attractions of the app to me because I have so much invested in these snippets. And then on the other end, whatever new shiny thing comes out, it usually is pretty easy for me to get my text into it. And um, I, I'm guessing that's probably where you spend the most amount of your time. Where, where do you spend the most of your amount of your time, you know, working on drafts these days? I try to split it up. I, I, I always am trying to spend time on and not lose track of, the simpler aspects of drafts. Um, it's gotten complicated over the years. It supports a lot of deep integration, but I don't want that to get in the way of the app being simple to use for most people who just want it to be, you know, their little electronic post-it notes that they throw things into. So I try to spend a certain amount of concentration on always just updating and simplifying, uh, making basic user experiences easier and stuff. Um, and then I balance that with integration with new services and stuff like uh, recently brought on integration with Notion. And that was just a, you know, I've been getting requests for it. It's a popular platform a lot of people use and spending the time to do integration with their new API opens up a new marketplace uh, for the app as well. Uh, users who might not have otherwise been interested. Um, so I kind of split my time between those sorts of things. And then the last third of it is probably the nerdier aspects of it, where I get into doing, making new things possible in the app as a platform, uh, some of which uh, don't get used a lot or get used only by power users, but, uh, you know, are great tools to have. Because I'm always geared towards making drafts sort of fill in all those gaps that other apps that do text don't do. Um, you may, you may have another app that specializes in long-form writing or a, an app like BB Edit that's, you know, shines above all others at dealing with huge text files and slicing and dicing them. But there's so many little things people do with text that they don't know where to put, and I want drafts to fill all those gaps. Yeah, you know, it, it is weird because your your users are that whole gamut. Like, I know my wife uses drafts, and she uses it as a post-it note like you know she doesn't do anything with it i tried to show her actions and stuff like i i did put the action on her draft where she can send a text to the whole family very quickly and i think she uses that one but 
it's like she doesn't do anything with it. And then I know, and I'm in the middle somewhere because I do use it to capture and do a bunch of actions, but I know folks that use drafts as like their whole enchilada. And it's like, you've got to, in making decisions now, decide not only do I need to support the entire gamut of users, I also need to make sure that something I do to help one group doesn't cause trouble for the other group. Yeah, right. It's always it's always difficult to balance. I think I I have some sets of release notes that come out and and might make basic users' eyes glaze over. And then I have another set of release notes that comes out that has a bunch of simple little things like some new alternate icons or colors or themes that everybody likes and <laughs> they get excited about. It's all a matter of finding the right balance. Just like when Apple does the... Uh the always the was it the point to release of every ios and they add new uh they add all the new emojis so people will download it because they don't <laughs> they won't otherwise <laughs> that's right yep where do you use drafts these days i mean obviously i have a lot of use cases for drafts that are very specific to be the person being the person who develops drafts um that <laughs> you know, a lot of testing and things like that. As far as my day-to-day personal use, I think I'm actually on the simpler end of the spectrum of the way people use the app. Uh, It is my snippet pad for things. If you look at my inbox at any given time, it's probably got a bunch of little drafts that have a sentence or two in them, you know, that are little things I'm current, usually ephemeral sorts of things that I'm keeping track of currently. Like, we were shopping for a new refrigerator last week, so I had a little draft open with the dimensions of the space for the refrigerator and some model numbers we had looked at at the store and stuff, just keeping up with that. And I'll throw that draft away once we decide on a refrigerator and buy it. I don't need that information anymore, and I'll either archive it or trash it. I have ones with phone numbers in them and stuff like that. I use it for messaging, much like you said your wife does. I have several uh just predefined actions for recipients in my family and stuff to save some hassle uh, e- to easily text people things. I have a couple of silly ones along those lines set up. Like I have a ring dinner bell action that just opens up a text message to my three kids that says dinner's ready <laughs> because they're usually <laughs> off in their rooms or doing something and I don't like yelling. So I just uh, text them to get their attention. Yeah. Well, you know, teenagers, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yelling upstairs isn't nearly as effective as it used to be when they all have noise-canceling headphones or earbuds and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, and I will say that they check their phone way more than they're going to listen for her dad. I, I think that's probably a guarantee. Yeah, and the other thing that the, that I probably have the most developed workflow for is is grocery shopping and recipes that I keep all in drafts. I'm the person who does the shopping and most of the food prep in our house. So I, you know, have a system with a, a grocery workspace that keeps all my grocery lists separate. Uh, I have templates set up to create new lists for shopping at the store. I have actions set up for actually shopping at the store that use a few of the nice geekier features of drafts, like disabling editing and uh, disabling phone sleep. Um, so that your phone doesn't go to sleep every time you go to check off something on the list, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that's that I archive all those notes and I have my history of recipes and links to things I make that I can, when I'm making a new list, I can browse through and search for and, and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I, I, I you know, I, 
I think that's something listeners may not realize. A lot of times is app developers are not power users of their own apps, you know, because um, your job doesn't need you to carry 10,000 notes on you at all times, you know, but, uh, but it is, it, it, I was, it's always fascinating. In fact, I would say it's very rare that I meet developers who are power users of their own apps. They're too busy making the app good to be, you know, doing that kind of stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've probably written the most advanced actions that exist for drafts, but I've usually written them as examples or to help another user out or something, not necessarily for my own use case. Yeah, so often I try to figure out an action and then I just go search in the library and you've written it already. I mean, that's, that's very much the case. Me or someone else in the community, there's there's yeah. some very productive users out there that have shared yeah. some great stuff. Yeah, Rosemary Orchard for, from the Automators is a big contributor there, too. And she's, she's done some really great ones over the years, too. Absolutely. Greg, we were talking before about how you use the app. What are some of the more interesting ways you've heard of users using the app? You know, it it is a wide range of stuff, and it... It's the ones who have gone off into the weeds that have done some of the most interesting things. There are several users who have developed their own personal knowledge management systems inside drafts, you know, and I have built some of the basic features to support that, like cross-linking between drafts and such, but they've built their own set of tools and actions to uh, make it easy to jump around between reference notes custom syntaxes and and things that, uh, you know, have unique capabilities. That was one of the things when I added the ability to do custom syntax highlighting in drafts, it was very much oriented not towards making it a place to edit code, like a Visual Studio code or Xcode or something. It was about enabling you to do little tweaks to markdown syntax or other things that match specific aspects of your workflow. And there's people who have developed like custom syntaxes that uh, highlight special keywords or handle lists and tags in slightly different ways to color code them and stuff that are specific to the way they like to work in notes. Um, that are It's really cool just to see people take advantage of that and do, do things. Uh, just to really hone their systems. Yeah, I've seen several of those implementations, and I think they're they're really good, particularly if you do a lot of work on iPhone, iPad, and Mac, because a lot of the you know the big PKM players are may, are good on the Mac and not particularly good on mobile. And um, building that system in drafts kind of gives you a good experience on all platforms, and that's I think one of the reasons people have been doing that. Yeah, a lot of the other interesting actions I've seen are ones that slice and dice a, a, an individual draft too. There's a lot of people who have come up with their own kind of little syntax where they'll use an at sign or a pound sign or whatever to mark certain lines and then they can run an action and it just goes through the whole draft line by line and sends some of them off to OmniFocus and sends some of them off to Fantastical and sends you know some of them to a text file in Obsidian or whatever and kind of divides it up and and processes it all in one fell swoop, which is really cool stuff. This episode of MPU is made possible by FitBod. Learn more at fitbod.me slash MPU. You'll get 25% off your membership by using that link. So what is FitBod? Well, FitBod is a, a fitness app that runs on your phone 
And it uses this really smart algorithm to learn about you, your goals, and your training ability. So it provides you with a workout program that works with you, not against you. It crafts a personalized exercise program that's unique to you, and their app makes it incredibly easy to learn exactly how to perform each exercise. Each exercise comes with these really nicely shot, simple videos, so you can watch somebody do a certain lift or a certain movement, you can see it from a couple different angles and know that you're doing it correctly. I've been using FitBod pretty heavily this year. I've been really happy with the results. I can see changes uh, in my strength and my appearance. Uh, but more importantly, I know that I'm doing it in a way that means I'm actually making progress. Because as I do more, FitBod learns more and tweaks my workouts as I go. They even have this thing where they keep up with your recovery so if you've done arms too many times in a week or chest or something, it will dial that back in your next exercise. It's really pretty cool. The FitBot app is really simple to use, has a fantastic new design, and it integrates with the Apple Watch, Wear OS smartwatches, Strava, Fitbit, Apple Health, and more. Personalized training can be expensive, but FitBot is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. You'll get 25% off your membership by signing up at fitbod.me slash MPU. That's F-I-T-B-O-D. Fitbod.me slash MPU for 25% off. Our thanks to Fitbod for their support of Mac Power users. Now you've been developing drafts 10 years. You were doing some other app development before that. But you've been an indie developer now for a while. Um, it seems to me like the indie developer movement is smaller than it used to be uh, maybe it's just my imagination but uh, what's your perception of how it's going for indie developers out there i see a lot less new activity and it's maybe not that it's not going on but it's harder to see i think i mean specifically talking about the app store space it, it, the novelty aspect is gone for, you know in the first few years of the app store anybody could dive in have a clever concept make it a reality in a couple of months, put it in the store, and you'd probably be able to get some coverage, um, you know, from blogs and and even some of the bigger tech sites that would write an article on a new app coming out. And those days are kind of gone. Um, and the, the baseline to get uh, whatever a minimum viable product in the store is a lot higher than it used to be, you know, mm -hmm. especially in like productivity space. You're not going to launch an app you've built in two months and have it be competitive in that marketplace because people are going to expect that it's going to be a universal app, maybe that it has a watch app, that it has widgets, that it has shortcuts integration, all these sorts of things that add a lot of development time to get even a simple concept out into the store um, that, that can compete in that space. So I think it's a lot harder for people to do it as a side project, you know, where they're developing a few indie apps uh, and uh, doing it as a vocation. You really have to find a niche like drafts that can get a steady user base willing to pay you a subscription, or it's just going to be hard. You're not going to make a go of it with a 99 cent app these days um, and be able to make a living at it. Sadly, you know that I'm I'm sad about that because I really liked kind of the the wild west we had those first few years, and a lot of the ideas were dumb; it didn't make sense. But then there were good ideas like drafts that changed the way you'd use the device, and I just feel like that kind of innovation, that kind of crazy innovation, 
I just don't see as much of it anymore. Maybe everybody's already figured out how they want to use a small touch device that fits in their pocket and there isn't anything new, but I feel like there is if the, if people were able to do so, you know? Yeah, I think stuff does come along and I, I think there are still people doing it, but it, it, there's definitely a lot less of the straight up indie app developer community. If not because so many of them got hired by Apple over the years, um, as they right. <laughs> as they expanded, yeah. That, I mean, that really was a farm system for Apple, right? I mean, it was in a lot of ways. We talked some about how Apple's platforms have changed and evolved uh, over the years, but uh, a big part of that is actually how you you're developing applications, right? You now we all live in this world of universal apps where people expect things to be everywhere. Drafts is basically everywhere, um, but you were. Um, uh, if I have my timeline correct in my head, you were on the Mac before uh, some of the, the more modern tooling. So talk a little bit about the process of bringing drafts to the Mac, especially as an indie developer. And does Apple have tools now that you wish you uh, or you wish you had then or that you're moving to now? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I started development of a complete rewrite of the app that would be released uh in 2018. And I started that in 2015, you know, working on it in building the frameworks. And my goal at the time was to bring it to the Mac and um, build as much of it at a low level as I could to be cross-platform and stuff to make that maintainable. But that was before Catalyst had even been announced, uh, certainly before Swift UI came around or was anywhere near useful. Um, so, I didn't really have a choice at the time. My plan was AppKit. Had I started that two years later, would I seriously have considered Catalyst? Probably because it it would have been a real time saver. But at the same token, I don't regret going the AppKit path on the Mac because I feel like I've been able to deliver a better native Mac experience than I could have, even if it means a little more work for me uh, mm. over time. I still... I, I have incorporated more Swift UI into the app as that has become more viable, both in the places Apple more or less requires it, like to do watch development or widget development, um, but also in the things that I can make cross-platform. But a lot of those are not central to the functionality of the app. And I, I've seen some incredible work, you know, I guess, you know, Craft is a great example of a Catalyst app that, uh, just really excels uh, on all the platforms. So clearly you can do that and you can deliver that um, that kind of experience. But I don't regret the place I'm at and I'm not about to dump things, especially for SwiftUI, which I don't feel like is ready for prime time, especially on the Mac, um, as we've seen what the Shortcuts team has gone through um, in their kind of process and i'm sure that it's going to get better and and apple dog fooding it with an app like shortcuts i'm sure is pushing that but yeah. we're still a few years away and it also it allowed me to especially on the mac uh backward compatibility is a lot more important than it is on ios you know people pretty much update their ios devices and uh, you don't have to worry about supporting more than a couple years back on the os but i and are the numbers huge? Not necessarily, but I still have plenty of people who are like, hey, I've got an iMac at home and it only runs up to high Sierra. I'm so glad that I can still run drafts on that. Mm -hmm. um, 
which would not be the case if I was using Catalyst or SwiftUI for right. crucial functions. Well, it, it is a remarkable app. And and some of the stuff you do behind the scenes is, is so impressive to me. Like, I know just personally, you and I have exchanged correspondence when I want to, like, figure out how to get drafts tags into DevonThink or some crazy nonsense. And, and you've already solved the problem. Like, nine times out of ten, you've already figured it out. And I know that is not something that just happens. You know, I'm sure you're putting a lot of effort into it. Developing actions to work cross-platform and that whole process was 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 pretty interesting. <laughs> um, and there's certain certain things that work cross-platform easily, certain things that do not. Um, but I've tried to smooth those over as much as possible, so that people can just expect things to work. So, can you share any of your plans for the future of drafts? Are you willing to do that, or is it top secret? Um. I, I try not to put too much of a roadmap out there. I've got a release coming out this week with some cool nerdy features incorporating uh, the use of mustache tem- templates that are uh, a common template language on the web to really enable some power user stuff. But I kind of is a slow time right now when I try to focus on performance improvements, knocking the bugs out, and wait till to see what Apple uh, throws my way next month at WWDC. Yeah, because some years that that eats up my whole summer, and some years that doesn't. So, <laughs> kind of wait and see on that. Yeah, what a lot of app friends tell me that in June it's either they get homework or Christmas presents. You know, <laughs> homework <laughs> means you got to work just to make your app work the way it used to work, or Christmas presents are like your app got a bunch of new features for free, and you just never know what they're going to do to you every year. Yeah. It, it, it's 100% true. And it's a little interesting now the way they've done rolled some of the releases out over the course of the year. Sometimes you hear something at WWDC you really want to dive into and use, and then it you find out it's going to get bumped till next spring uh, in a dot .4 release. Um, yeah. So it's hard to tell what to invest your time in. We haven't had you on the show since Apple Silicon arrived. Have you... Uh... Have you dipped into that? Have you got yourself a new Mac? I do. I well, I've I've now on my second Apple Silicon Mac. Well, third if you count the the developer kit. Um, but I, I bought a M1 Air as soon as those came out. Uh, make sure I was testing on it and all, and that became my primary machine almost immediately. It replaced my iMac Pro, and it, you know <laughs> that little MacBook Air built drafts and Xcode faster than my iMac Pro did. Um, yeah, no, it's crazy, right? <laughs> and uh, I now have a 14-inch, uh, pretty well maxed out MacBook Pro, and uh, absolutely love it. And I can't imagine I'm going to need another computer for at least five years. I can't really see. I'm sure. I, don't hold me to that because I'm yeah. sure they'll come out with something I want. But uh, it's just such a great machine. It's hard to imagine. I keep talking about this, but I am super curious to see the longevity of these Apple Silicon Macs because using the iPad as a as a measuring stick, I feel like these things are going to be really stable and probably last you a long time. I mean, they've removed so many of the parts, you know. You can't say enough good about how smooth Apple made the transition to, which it's easy to take for granted, uh, but the way... Rosetta works as well as it does and how pain-free it was to recompile apps for Apple Silicon. It, it 
it was almost completely seamless. The only few things I had any trouble with moving over in the early days were like Unix level tools and stuff that I used that just hadn't been recompiled or tweaked yet. But it, for the average user, it was, you wouldn't even know. You just suddenly had a better machine. And that's an incredible transition. Yeah, I don't know if there's any other technology company that has done these architecture transitions like Apple has. I mean, they, this was, I believe, the third one that they did. And, you know, that there's so much institutional knowledge there to make that that an easy process. And you can see it all paying off with this transition. Yeah. We complain about their software quality sometimes, but some of the low-level stuff they really get right. It's hard to... Another one a few years ago was the transition to the Apple file system. And it's hard to believe that you almost heard of nobody who had any trouble with upgrading a Mac that got transitioned to a new file system. (laughs) It just happened, you know. Seems like a miracle. That would have given me a lot of a nervous breakdown in the 90s. (laughs) There's just no way a computer was going to survive that. You're just going to have to wipe it, you know. I mean, the complaints, I think, with the software are largely like user-facing software and only some of it. Like, you know, Photos is great and, you know, the iWork suite is great. And But then you hit something like Apple Mail and it's like, they just it just seems like it's just not a priority. It's not a question that they don't have the ability. It's just a question they don't seem to have the desire to keep it up. But you're right, the underlying stuff just works. And that's been the case for years now. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Electric. Go to electric.ai slash MPU and unbury yourself from IT tasks and get a free pair of Beats Solo 3 wireless headphones when you schedule a qualifying meeting. We've all served as tech support for friends and family members, right? I mean, you're listening to Mac Power Users. You have to be the person everybody relies upon. Every time we have a family holiday, I have family members showing up with random bits of Apple hardware and asking for my time. I bet you do too. But when it comes to work, if you're focused on building a business, you won't always have time to jump to the rescue when there's a tech issue that needs solving. The team over at Electric knows small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. Look, if you're building a business, you need to learn to delegate. That's the only way you survive. And as much as you are a nerd, because you're listening to MPU and you're a nerd just like me, you can't just spend your time working on the computers. you got to focus on what you're good at and building the business. And that's why you need something like Electric. If you're trying to move the needle, but you're spending your time on the tech, you should go check out Electric. For Mac Power Users listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash MPU. Once again, that's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C dot A-I slash M-P-U. Go there now and get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of the Mac Power users. Go check it out. Uh, So, Greg, we like to wind down our uh, guest shows with some favorite apps and services, some stuff that maybe you're using uh, to get your work done or to, to make your workflows a bit smoother. Uh, do you have some examples for us? 
Yeah. Whenever I do a thing like this, I try to think of the things I rely on most. And some of them are utilities that just kind of fall into the background and you don't think about that much, but do so much for you. And one of those for me is default folder from St. Clair software, which I've been running for, I got to assume at least 10 years on every Mac I'm on. And it is just a great utility that sits in the background and enhances open and save dialogues. Um, and it more or less makes it possible to do anything in an open and save dialog that you could in a finder window, um, as well as easily navigating to bookmark folders, jump springing back to the last folder you used in an application, stuff like that, that uh, is such a time saver that when I start a new Mac and have it installed it and use it for a few days, it doesn't take me long to remember I need that because uh, there's so many pain points around trying to save files and locate them. So highly recommend that. Well, and that's another app that has a developer that's been working on it for forever. I mean, I believe this was a Next program before it was a Mac program, if memory serves. I mean, this one goes way back. And yeah. uh, we've talked about it on the show before. This is the app that always gets me in trouble because when I do screencasts, because I use default folder X as well, and I do screencasts and the open and save dialog box comes up. And people watch the screencast. It may be about a completely different app, but people like lose their mind over that my open save dialog boxes. And I get so much email saying, what is that? You know, and I, I need to explain, well, I was running this third party software to make my open save dialog better. <laughs> but I, I should really turn it off before I do screencasts for other apps, but it's hard. It's hard not to, cause it's just so good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's got little magical things like you have an open dialogue open and there's a finder window back behind that app. You can just go over, hover that finder window, click it, and it snaps the open or the save dialogue to that location. So often when you're working with files and you have those folders open already, it makes it so much easier to get around to put stuff in the right place. And you can have favorites and history and just, it's just, and if you like tagging, it supports tagging. And I know Apple has added tagging support, but theirs is frankly better at default folder X. It's just, it just solves so many problems. I believe that's one that's on setup too. So if you're a setup subscriber, you can, you already own it or you already have a license to it. Yeah. Another one's a free little utility that I've been running forever called Reflex. And it does one simple little thing, which is make the media keys, the you know play, pause, skip forward and back buttons on your keyboard, always control your music app, no matter what else is going on. Because um, it's kind of a constant uh, sanity breakdown for me. If it isn't running, you know, you try to, I, I listen to a lot of music while I work and you try to pause or stop or skip tracks and you end up messing with the YouTube video and a wet browser window when you really want it to control the music. Um, it just kind of makes that the functionality of those keys sane for me. Uh, and it's a free little utility just leave running in the background. I have never heard of this app before. Thanks for sharing it. I always like it when I learn about a new one. This is cool. Yeah, I think there's some other utilities that have the same feature built into, but this is just dedicated to doing it simple. It's lightweight. Yeah, I've been using one called Mac Media Key Forder. That's a real smooth name. Uh, and that developer actually has said, like on the project page on GitHub, hey, I'm not developing this anymore. And he suggested another app uh, that I didn't like quite as much. So reflex is one that I've got, uh, a tab open to check out after the show, because 
like you said, the the I don't know when they changed it. It's been several years now, but the media keys not being locked to the music app just it totally breaks my brain. I, I don't yeah. want it. I don't want them to be interfacing with a, the YouTube video I've playing, uh, or sometimes like messages will grab the focus of the media keys. Like I, that's the last thing I want to happen. Yeah. And so, yeah, having this these little utilities just to uh to basically bind those keys to music or spotify whatever you listen to uh it really is great because i really don't understand that change in in mac os yeah it's super frustrating when you're like watching a youtube video and you want to pause the music but you can only pause the youtube video and the music just keeps <laughs> yeah. playing it's like yeah, what's going on here come on man yeah, you like know better the exact opposite of what you were trying yeah. to do all right well greg uh Thank you and congratulations to you for 10 years of indie development on my beloved drafts. I, uh, I, I love your app and I use it all the time. And I, I love all the nerdy little stuff you've done in it that always brings me and a lot of our listeners joy and delight. So we all just kind of want to thank you for all that hard work. Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, all the share you've done of it over the years has really helped people to capture the concept too. And it's been great. You've been a great contributor to its success. Well, I, you know, I, I like drafts and I talk about a lot, but I'm not the superpower user that some people are. And uh, uh, some people have gone way further down the stack than I have. But man, for what I do with it, it just continues to be the best solution. And uh, I really appreciate all the hard work you can do. If people want to learn more about drafts or, or keep up with you, where should they go? Uh, getdrafts.com is kind of the landing page for everything drafts wise. Uh, you can get to all our other resources and community from there. You can find me on Twitter at agile tortoise. All right. Thanks so much, Greg, and keep it up. Thank you. Well, we are the Mac power users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. Uh, send us a note. If you like drafts, maybe we'll use drafts to write you a note back <laughs> or put it up in the forums that you can find over at talk.macpowerusers.com. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, SaneBox, Text Expander, FitBod, and Electric. Don't forget to go get one of Steven's shirts. There's only a few days left. See you next time.